0: All right. Well, we're going to be in several different passages. That's typical in a topical sermon, to as you speak on a topic to, to find that that topic found in the Bible and and see what the the, the Word of God has for us. But we're going to be uh, beginning with Luke chapter two. If you want to follow along with me with your Bible, the, um, the words should be behind me on the screen as well. If you'd rather do that, Luke chapter two is the the christmas story and this t- topic of our sermon today is joy and i w- i got to tell you right off the bat i was challenged this week i don't know how many of you have been following along in the advent book that we gave at the beginning of uh december but i watched the there's a little video that you can watch matt chandler and his wife who created it wrote that and uh he had he had this conversation in the video about the lawless people. Those lawless people that play Christmas music any time of the year. Like, right? And I uh, see the cars are like, that's us. And I'm like, oh yes, they are lawless. <laughs> and those of us that have like, to put boundaries in our lives, we don't play Christmas until, music until after Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> but he, he his words were, were good because it, it challenged me to to rethink that. He said, you know, maybe... Maybe the people that have uh, that play Christmas music year round is because they they're so uh, encouraged and, jo- and have joy over the fact of what Jesus has done for them that Jesus came to Earth to die for them and so I was like oh great stepping on my toes again right so I got to rethink that I'm not quite there yet but pray for me um, joy. Joy and happiness, it, it's synonymous in the Bible. Uh, there's some that would say joy and happiness are different. And through my study, I, I, I don't see that, but we, we understand what joy is, right? It's a, it's a, a, a thing in our soul that we're, we're content, we're, we're happy, we're, we're satisfied. And the Bible speaks to joy. In fact, the Bible talks about joy over 200 times. God's desire for his people is that we would have joy. And it's an important topic because so many things in this world can can take our joy and still our joy. And so it's a good reminder this year that God desires for us to to have this joy. So let's see it in the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2 verse 8 is where I'll start. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. And then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. Heaven and peace on earth to to the people he favors. And so we see this event in human history where God supernaturally invades his creation with the most splendid news that any of us who are broken and suffer the consequences of sin and see it all around us, this is the good news that should bring us great joy that that God has supernaturally worked. He has invaded earth. I'm so glad that our God didn't just spin up this world Right and, and set it all into motion and then step back and watch it. He is active and He is personal and He knows us intimately and he, He's working in His creation. And this is the event in human history where what God has promised, had promised since the very beginning of His Word that a Savior... Jesus, the God-man, God in flesh, came into His creation to seek and to save those who are lost, and that would be everyone. And so in spite of what this world is doing and in spite of the the chaos that we see around us, we have this to hold on to, this great joy of what God has done. And so let's celebrate what God has done. And, And the question I want to ask all of us, and I asked it myself this week, and honestly, I wasn't very happy with my answer. Where does your joy come from? Right? I know I'm supposed to find joy in the Lord, but often we find, seek to find joy and happiness in other things and what the world offers. And we know it often leaves us lacking. We, uh, we know that the joy and happiness in this world is fleeting, it's not permanent. And so the, the more we wrap our minds around this understanding that God desires for us to have joy, but that joy needs to come from Him and out of this world. That's what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, right? We we're doing a series in Ecclesiastes before we started the, the Advent season. And Solomon was the king of Israel. He had everything at his disposal. He had, he had money. He had authority. He had As many women as he wanted, and he said, I'm going to try to find uh, an understanding of what life is all about through pleasure. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2. I said to myself, he says, Go ahead and I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy what is good. He sought to find happiness and joy in what this world had to offer, and he had it at his disposal, and his conclusion was, but it turned out to be futile. It was vain, it was fleeting. It's trying to like wrestle the wind. It's impossible to find utter joy and happiness and satisfaction in those things. He goes on in verse 2 I said about laughter, it is madness and about pleasure. What does this accomplish? Right? The cynical Solomon says if this world is just the meaning of life is found in what this world has to offer, then it's just vanity, it's just vain. And we can contrast that with a prophet, Habakkuk. Habakkuk, who's a prophet of God, who's near to God, who's in this time of judgment. God is judging his, his people. And he prays this just beautiful prayer in Habakkuk chapter 3. And you contrast this, his attitude, his heart attitude, with what uh, uh, Solomon does in, in Ecclesiastes, and you see a vastly different source. Of where Habakkuk is trying to find his joy, he says this: Though the fig tree does not bud, and there is no fruit on the vines; though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food; though the flocks disappear from the pen, and there are no herds in the stalls; so anything and everything that would find you know be good in this life, Habakkuk says, if it's all gone, if it's all taken away, it doesn't matter. He goes on, yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Your translation might say, I will find joy in the God of my salvation. Habakkuk's focus is not on what this world can can provide for him. He says, the fig trees, if they're not budding, if there's no fruit on the vines, if the olive crop fails... And produces no food. It doesn't matter because I have God, and I am finding. I will find my joy in Him, and what He is doing. Verse nineteen: The Lord, my Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer, and enables me to walk on mountain heights. For the choir director, on the, uh, the that's he's just instructing here for the choir director on the stringed instruments but you see the difference you see Solomon trying to find meaning and pleasure in this world and he says it's all vain but we have this prophet of God who who is in the midst of God's judgment and he says if it's all taken away it doesn't matter because I have my God so my question this morning what are you finding your joy in the things of this world, or of God? It's a hard question to ask. But we, this morning, we can rejoice in what God has done. We can have joy in what God has done in Christ. We can find the three points that I want to bring to us this morning is we can find joy in what God has done in the past, right? We, our faith that we have in Jesus is not a, a faith that's just built on emotion, Our faith is based on historical, factual evidence that God has promised in the past that He will act and He will intervene. And those promises are fulfilled. And so we can can have joy this this morning in what God has done. Because God has sent a Savior. Before the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, an angel appears to Mary and tells Mary, you will be bearing the Messiah. You will, be, you, will, the, a babe will, you will conceive a child, the, the Messiah, Jesus. And she's so overwhelmed with this that she has to run and tell her, her cousin Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1, verses 41. It's an interesting exchange here. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, which is John the Baptist, Elizabeth's also pregnant, The baby leaped inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your children will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby, John the Baptist, leaped for joy inside of me. Obviously, God's supernaturally working. Causing this baby to leap for joy because of the herald that the Messiah was to come into creation. Verse 45, blessed is, she who has be- blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what He has spoken to her. And this is true for all of us. Happy, blessed are we. Because we who have believed what the Lord has promised to fulfill, we are blessed because we understand that God has worked and God has um, made a way for us to be reconciled to Him. And just as Mary and Elizabeth are saying, we are happy uh, because we believe what the Lord has spoken because the Lord has promised us way before this encounter, way back in Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12, this is uh, the beginning of what we call the Abrahamic covenant. This this is how the Old Testament and the New Testament dovetail together. We we can't have the New Testament separated from the Old Testament. They, They dovetail together. This salvation that has been purchased for us is promised way back in Genesis chapter 12. The Lord appears to Abram, who's hanging out in Ur. And he says to Abram, Go from your land, your your relatives and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. And I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You know then that those who have faith, these are Abraham's oh that's sorry that's galatians so this is the genesis uh beginning of the abrahamic covenant that god gives to abraham he says through you all the nations will be blessed all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you god intervenes and because the sin problem he's he's already determined a way for us to be reconciled to him. This this idea of salvation by grace through faith is not a plan B from God. This has always has been his intention. And that's exactly what Paul writes in Galatians. We did a series on Galatians as well. So this might be familiar to you for those that have been and went through that series with us. But Paul's writing to this church in, in Galatia where where um, these these guys came in there they're called Judaizers. They came in and they said, yeah, yeah, Jesus is the Messiah. Yeah, yeah, you need Jesus. But you also need, you also need to hold to the law. You also need to keep the law. You can't, just, you can't just, you know, by faith accept Jesus. And you still have to do your part. They begin to add works to this great gift of salvation by grace through faith alone. And that's been repeated in human history all throughout human history. Many religions teach this. Yes, you need Jesus, but you also need to do your part. And Paul hears of this and he says, absolutely not. Let them be accursed who preach another gospel. It is by faith through grace alone. And he demonstrates to the the people of this church in the Galatian region that it has always been God's plan. He ties them back to the Abrahamic covenant. This covenant of grace. God said, As you read the follow-out the Abrahamic Covenant, God put Abraham to sleep just to make sure he knew he had nothing to do with it, that God was going to work. God was going to do this. It was in God the salvation would uh, would occur. And Paul ties this salvation by grace through faith back to Abraham. You know, he says in verse 7 of Galatians 3, you know then that those who have faith, these are Abraham's son sons those who have placed their faith in christ are those that are abraham's sons paul writes and demonstrates to us in galatians that god did give this the mosaic or give the children of israel the mosaic covenant but the law was a means in which should be a mirror for for them and for us as we look into it of god's standard god's holiness and there's no way that we could keep that holiness and standard and that it, the, the law was meant for us to see that we needed a Savior, that there was no way we could reconcile ourselves with the Holy God. That's why the law was, was given. That's why the law was, but it's for us to say, there is no way for us to keep it in our sinful nature. Before the Mosaic law, though, God said, To Abraham, through you I will bless all the nations. And so Paul's saying, bringing it to light here, flushing it out for us. You know then that those who have faith, these are Abraham's sons. Verse 8, now the scripture saw in advance that God would justify. Justify means declare righteous. As a judge, it's judicial language. The scripture saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles, that'd be anybody that's not Jewish descent. By what? By faith. God, in advance, determined in Abraham or before the foundation of the world that God would justify the Gentiles by, Gentiles by faith and proclaimed the gospel ahead of time to Abraham, saying, all the nations will be blessed through you. So we can have joy this morning because this isn't just a frivolous, man-made, made-up salvation that we're talking about. This is God interacting in human history, using human history to demonstrate His majesty and power and, and love to us. All the nations will be blessed through Abraham. And that's why... It's so important to understand the Old Testament and to see the, the uh, lineage of Jesus Christ as laid out in Matthew and Luke to demonstrate the fact that Jesus is the fulfillment of this promise of long ago. Abraham, Abraham was around 2,000 B.C. 2,000 years before Christ was born. God already demonstrating through Abraham this, this salvation that we have is by God and what God has done through the Messiah, Jesus. And that is why Elizabeth and Mary and everyone was excited because they had this expectation of the Messiah and the Messiah has come. And so they had joy. John the Baptist, the baby had joy, leap for joy in Elizabeth's belly. And, and we should have joy this morning because God has done a great work. All of us can be reconciled to God, not through keeping Allah law or keeping um, membership roles or anything like, thing like that by replacing your faith and trust in what Christ has done and Him alone. That you too would be blessed. That you too would have this joy given to us by God and what He's done. Paul finishes out here in verse 9. Consequently, consequently those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who had faith. Abraham was justified by faith as well. He believed God and trusted in His promises. And the good news this morning is that yes, Christ has died for you. And the good news is is that you don't have to do anything but trust and and place your faith in what God has done in Christ Jesus. You can't earn it, but that should be a source of joy what God has done in the past. The second point, we can find joy in what God is doing now. Wayne talked to. brought this message up in his sermon last week. The fruit of the Spirit. When we're saved, when we by faith have a saving encounter with Jesus... The promise is that the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within the heart of the, of the, of the believer. We're, given a, we're made a new creation in Christ, and the Holy Spirit now dwells within us and desires to produce this fruit. And this fruit has many flavors, as we see here in Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. It goes on, gentleness and self-control. This is the fruit that the Spirit of God desires to, to, to um, create in us as we learn to yield to Him and to walk with Him. And I think it's interesting that the, there's three of the topics that we've talked about on this Advent here, the first three, right? fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. It's what God can do in us because we're yielding to the Spirit and we're we're having it as we walk in the Spirit, as we keep our focus on Him. It is the fruit, this fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, all these things, is what the Spirit desires desires to produce within us. Love. Who doesn't want to have more love? Who doesn't want to have more joy? And peace. And this world offers many counterfeits. But this joy that is promised to us through the Spirit is, is, a, is the source is from God and what He's doing. The only one that's not there is hope. Right? Because hope comes from the hope that we have in the salvation that Christ has given us. By placing our faith and trust in Christ, we are promised an eternal salvation outside of our own, and that gives us great hope. And so we can't experience the the love of God, the joy of God, the peace of God, the patience of God without first encountering Jesus in that saving way. And so I pray today that if there's anyone in this room that has not encountered Jesus in this saving way, that today would be the day when you would abandon hope in all else and you would place your faith in Christ alone. He has made a way. It cost you nothing, but it cost him everything. By faith, you're justified, right? Paul says in Galatians, by faith, a saving faith, placing your trust in him. I pray today would be the day that would be a reality that you too could be the benefactor of the, the Spirit of God indwelling you and producing this fruit within you. Love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We can have joy this morning that God has not left us alone. He hasn't promised us salvation and then has just stepped back. He's given us God the Spirit who indwells us. We can have joy in the fact that He's working in us right now. He's, he's trying to sanctify us and make us and conform us more into the image of Jesus. Christ promised to His his disciples and to us is that He would never leave us nor forsake us. We can have, find a joy in what God has done in the past and what God is doing within us now. He hasn't abandoned us. If you're in Christ Jesus this morning, you're not alone. You have a Father in Heaven who loves you and wants what's best for you. We can have great joy in those things he goes on in verse 24 of galatians now those who belong to christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires right we have that responsibility to walk away to turn from our old ways to to follow after the spirit to walk in the spirit is to pursue what he desires for us that's also an important part. Isn't it isn't just some magical thing that happens, the fruit of the Spirit is. It is a cooperation with what God the Spirit is doing within us. He goes on to say in verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So important. But what joy we can we find? What true joy, that fruit of the Spirit, of joy coming, being evident in our lives in spite of us, right? Because the Spirit has done it. That's the promise given to us as we learn to walk in step with the Spirit. We can also find joy in what God will do. I've had a couple sermons now where I've taken every all of us to the end of the story. We know God's. We know the end of the story, right? In Revelation, we know there's a new heaven and a new earth, and all death and sin and COVID and and uh, everything. There'll be no more tears in our eyes. The, the, the eternal promise of the, the life that is to come are, is, is for those, but I, I, I wanted to go there again because I just love that passage, but I thought I'd spare you since I've already mentioned it a couple times, but I just wanted to give you what Isaiah 35.10 prophesied. Isaiah the prophet prophesied of this time Well, all will be made new. God will reign in this city. And he says here, there shall be everlasting joy. Let's read it. And the ransomed of the Lord. The ransomed, right? God, Jesus purchased us. He had a, there was a transaction. He, he went to the cross to redeem us. Yes, salvation is by grace through faith alone, but it costs God everything. He purchased us out of s- sin. He purchased us out of being separated from Him. And he's placed us into the family of God. We've been ransomed. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and, and come to Zion, the, the city of God, with, with singing, with everlasting joy. It's almost impossible to fathom that. Everlasting joy. God desires for us to have joy in the promise. What God will do in the future is we will have everlasting Joy. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads and they shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing sighing shall flee away. Many things to be thankful for if you're in Christ Jesus and to have uh, the source of this joy that God has given us, this great salvation. So I just want to ask again, where does your joy come from typically? Typically. I pray that this might be a time where we could reflect on that response to that question and turn to God. Come to the cross. See His love He's demonstrated for you. Walk in step with the Spirit so that the joy, the fruit of joy would be more evident in our lives. And I just, I want to close with this. This high priestly prayer in John chapter 17 thats what they call it. We call it. And it's uh, Jesus is our great high priest. He's our intercessor. He's our mediator. Right? He stands in the way. He took the penalty but he's forever at the right hand. Forever making intercession for the saints. And so he's on the eve of his death. He's he's getting ready to, to be arrested. He knows what's coming. He knows he's going to the cross. And he takes this time in the garden to pray this prayer to the Father about not only his disciples at the time, but all those who would believe the message after them. So that would include us. And I love this because you can see Christ's heart for for us. And this is the, the source of the joy that we should have. I come to you and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy completed in them. Jesus' desire for us is that his joy would be completed in us, that we would have complete joy. He's praying to the Father and says, this is what I want for my people, that my joy would be made completed in them. He goes on. We don't have time to go through the entire passage, right? But he goes on to end this prayer. And he says in verse 25, Righteous Father, the world has not known you, However, I have known you, and they have known that you have sent me. I made your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that the love you have loved me with, this perfect, unbreaking, unshakable love that the Father has always for all of eternity loved Jesus with. That's the love that he's speaking of. That the love you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. Christ's desire for us is to know the love of the Father, to know the love of God in that perfect way. I watched a movie this week. I highly recommend it. It's called The Way of the Father. It's by the Kendrick Brothers. They uh, made um, uh, Courageous and Fireproof and a couple other Christian movies out there. Way of the Fathers. It's now on uh, Amazon Prime, and I highly recommend that you you watch it. Uh, But it talks about adoption, essentially. Uh, I guess you're not going to have to rent it after all, since I'm going to tell you the end of the story. (laughs) But (laughs) but uh, um, it just had uh, it was more of an interview, like real life documentary type of deal. It was about adoption. There was one guy who his mom gave him away at birth. And so he lived up. He lived in an adopted home, kind of a broken home, kind of lived in the hood. He had he had football talent, and so he was able to to go to college. And he he picked this one college. He had other colleges looking at him, but he loved the coach. The coach seemed like a father figure to him, something that he never had. And so him and this fa- this coach, you know, we became close. And and this kid, this guy, looked up to him as, like a father figure. And then the, the coach gets another job at another university, so they, they part ways, but they always kept in touch. And after a while, he makes it to the, this kid makes it to the pros, and after a while, he wants to find out who his, who his biological parents are. And so he does the paperwork, and he gets the, the living birth certificate and all that stuff, and has the name of the mother, but no name of record for the father. So he gets a hold of the mother, and the mother, um, you know, great she's just blown over just couldn't believe it you know she knows she made the right decision to at that point in her life she couldn't couldn't handle it but instead of ending his life he she passed that baby on to a to a family that would take care of him and uh he asked where who's my dad and she said the name and he said his heart just dropped because it happened to be that coach so um, that's just how God works. Um, and so he, of course, has this call with the coach. The coach is like, hey, buddy, how's it going? And he's like, you'll never guess who my father is. It's you. <laughs> and uh, and so the, the, the moral of the story is um, after, you know, they had the DNA test to confirm and all that stuff, it was confirmed, and so the the kid the guy, he's now a man, you know they meet for the first time after this they found out this information, and the coach guy opens the door and he says extends his, arms, extends his arms and says, "My son and the the guy said he just was overwhelmed with so much joy because he he now had a sense of belonging, he had a sense of uh unbreakable a relationship with his father and how important that was for him to have that father that he always longed for but the 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 movie goes on to say there's probably many of you that don't have a the best father figure that father father wasn't there or father wasn't a good father but the the I, the whole point of the movie was that no matter what your earthly Father has done or not done, everyone has access to the Father of Heaven through Jesus Christ. And you can have the perfect Father who desires to to know and to demonstrate to you the love that He's given to us through Jesus. That perfect, unbreakable love that He's given has always loved Jesus with, is this love that is available for all of us, which should be a source of great joy. That we have a sense of belonging. We're not a cosmic accident. We're adopted into the family of God. If you're in Christ Jesus, you have all the spiritual blessings given to Christ are ours because we are in Christ. What a sense of love God has given us in Christ and I pray that would be a source of your joy in the coming year. Let's pray. Father, we love you because you first loved us. We're so thankful, God.